a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. so much easier but we have to play along and we collect our Oscar for best actor or actress afterwards and we just leave them aghast when we just shake their hands and smile at them and walk away <laughs> and um, and as the Irish say and there you have it there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're kicking it off here Philip Kinsella it's so cool to see you my friend we're, we're rolling right here from that um Man, you, you've been doing so many wonderful things. It's so cool, and I'm always grateful whenever you swing by the show. I'm actually going to be linking at least three other of your episodes down there. You, you uh, episode 184, 109, and then episode 6. Did you know that you and I have known each other almost three years? Wow, that is incredible. I thought it was for a lot longer than that, but I guess that's kind of like on a soul level. But wow, that's that's quite some time, isn't it? <laughs> it feels like it. You know, it feels like it's we've known wonderful. each other longer. Yes. yes. And so, you know, and that's the wonderful thing about returning guests, especially a brother like you. You have a wonderful new book out, uh, Crash, Sky Crash, Throughout yep. Time, The Reptilian Man and Strange Mysterious Surround uh, the strange mysteries surrounding Rendlesham. So we're going to touch on some new things that you yeah. found out about the Rendlesham Enigma, which is fascinating. Also, I want to ahead of time here shout out Patricio with Forgotten Youth for sending me some amazing new shirts, and also Raven for this beautiful bracelet. Uh, at a dark time, I'm coming out of here that I've not really shared with anybody, but Raven uh, reached out with some sweet things, and uh, thank you. So I wanted to shout out those two beautiful humans for being who they are, and uh, both of them will be linked down below. So. Uh, Philip, you have a new book out like we talked about, but also you've been doing so many other amazing things. So I want to catch up with that before we launch into the awesomeness of your new work here and the new Rundlesham finds that you have. But first and foremost, all the ways, of course, guys, you know how this works, are going to be located down below in the show notes on how to find Philip, philipkinsella.com, as well as thekinsellatwins.com, which actually brings me to my first question, my friend, if you're ready for it. Okay, yeah, so. Shoot. Like, why didn't you eat and devour your twin in the womb like most of us to gain their power and then you can come out stronger, right? Like, I thought we all did that. But you decided to hang on to yours and you and Ronnie are now traipsing around here doing amazing things. So please kick us off with that, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, I would never have known where to start in devouring to begin with. But uh, one of the main uh, areas with regards to our development as twins is we were very close. We always have been. And we've had the same interests in everything and, you know, in literature, in art, in movies, even in, you know, our taste in clothes is obviously different now because we're older. Uh, Ronnie t t tends to dress a bit more frumpier than I do. He's very old fashioned. I'm kind of cool, you know, it's like, uh, well, that's why I see it. Um, so we both 
seem to be connected, uh, not just because we're identical twins, but because we have this fascination with all things bizarre. And I think that the phenomena found us. We didn't go looking for it. It found us. Uh, and I think it's very interesting because in some ways it works uh, the opposite. Whereas when you start looking into it, and as Paul Sinclair in England says, the phenomena becomes aware of you or if, you know, the other way around. So it's quite interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating, man. And it's, it is interesting. You guys have shared your stories, your contactee experiences on the show before. Yeah. Again, guys, all that's going to be linked below. So check them out. So your new book, uh, first of before we launch into that, actually, I want to know what you've been doing outside of uh, the books that you've been creating, which is a ton of stuff. You've been doing articles for Haunted uh, Road, yeah. right? Haunted Road Media? Haunted, uh, Haunted Magazine here Haunted in the Magazine. UK, yeah. What's going yeah. on with that? Well, I've had, I just had an article published um, recently called The Gods of Eden in there. I think they sell it in the States as well. I think it's online and you can buy it from a shop called W.A. Smith. It's a big retailer's here. Um, the Gods of Eden, which talks about the Greys and the Antedevillian cultures going back into the Sumerian period, um, which links in with the creation mythos, which is very interesting. I've been looking into that and I had that published. And, um, and I've also got a new one coming out called Wolflands, which deals with Paul Sinclair's work within the werewolf or the uh, dogman mystery that's happening here in the UK, as well as in your great country, the United States of America, and drawing upon several uh, theoretical ideas, contents with regards to what this is and where it may be coming from and how it's generated. I, I think we're, we're walking into some really amazing territory with regards to consciousness, the mind, the creation uh, of matter, of form, and how we could also be co-creators to the experience because I think a lot of what we've been told from the past is not right. And I think that, um, you know, if the system that I call it, that we serve, truly opened up and revealed all, it will be quite spectacular. But thankfully, there are a lot of people now within the world, like yourself, your good self, amazing souls that are coming forward, that are opening their minds to these other realities. And I always say, um, you know, expanding reality as it is exactly as it is, because we're expanding our reality in a sense of understanding there is a lot more beyond the scope of what we've been led to believe in terms of knowledge and, and reality. So these are areas which are fascinating. And, um, you know, I have got several other ideas, hypotheses that I am and will be working on and am working on. I say will and am because there are so two projects that I'm alternating between the two. Um, and that will be fascinating when we get that out there. But I do have a book coming out next year, Terrestrial Trespasses in February, which deals with, um, and you'll be getting a copy of that along with Sky Crash, um, the paperback versions. And, um, and I'm excited for that as well, because that, um, that deals with a lot of um, the theoretical content that we've been working towards. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Again, what you're doing for the phenomena, for the research, you're just diving so far and so deep into this. And again, with your work with Paul Sinclair, amazing guy as well as ama amazing researcher. We're looking oh, forward yes. to inviting him on as well. Maybe oh, we'll yes. all get on together and talk about the work that you've been doing with the dog man. So any new revelation that you want to reveal with this, with any of that information that you've come to... Fine. Well, well, one of the areas, the main areas is what I wanted to find out. And as well as other, other good researchers, I'm not the only one, of course, there are many other brilliant minds out there, many, many. Um, 
is that the certain geographical areas of, of great interest, and of course we know of portals or openings, and anyone that doesn't really understand that, and I didn't many years ago, would think, oh, you know, what a load of old rubbish. But when you start looking into it, you begin to realize that the mind is a portal, is an opening. And on some levels, I think within these geographical locations that our minds seem to trip or connect with these alternative dimensions or openings, which allows these beings, these cryptids, these UFOs, to come through. Our, our main emphasis, our main area of the research is to understand where they are coming from. Um, because when we're dealing with cryptozoology, especially with the dogman, I'm fascinated with the dogman. Um, it doesn't cancel out the Sasquatch or anything like that, but there are patterns, especially with regards to uh, the sightings of Sasquatch or with the werewolf or with indeed a UFO. There are certain attributes and patterns which connect the dots together, which suggest that we are dealing with some type of interdimensional um, reality that is operating perhaps very closely against ours, but can only open and close when it's been activated. Um, CE5 Initiative did that in Rendlesham uh, many years ago, 8th of June, 1998. So my question is, did I instigate that or was the phenomena aware that I wanted that to happen? So I think we're dealing with a shared two-way processing system here that connects on that level. And um, so it is fascinating because our consciousness mind is very much part of this. People think that when you're talking of the mind, they're talking about it being, oh, it's just generating it for you to see and it's some kind of illusion. No, mind is reality. Mind is what you are. Consciousness is what you represent beyond the flesh and bone that you currently occupy in this space-time reality. So this is where alternative realities seem to connect or link into the consciousness of an individual and that becomes their reality at that point. So we're looking at certain aspects, certain avenues of, you know, my question here, where where are they all hanging out? Sasquatch, Dogman, you know, the, you know the, 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 what do they call them? Oh, the uh, the the dark the chupacabra, man. the Wendigo. Yeah, all you of got these a bunch things. of dudes. It's like the cantina now, in Star yeah, Wars, maybe. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go down there, dude, and hang out with them. Yeah, because um, yeah. I want to ask them some questions. But you can see, I think, that when we're dealing with this kind of research, we're very puzzled, and we're still puzzled even today, um, about where and where or where they're all coming from. Where are they hanging out? So this is incredible uh, in our understanding of the reality of what we're dealing with. I mean, Paul Sinclair will tell you he had one witness, one verifiable witness who saw a dogman that was wearing an earring in its ear. Which ear? Oh, it's very important sure. in our society. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'll have to All find right. out. Um, but can you believe that? that? As though the werewolf said, I'm going to get up in the morning and stick that in my ear and I'm going to look cool and great and see if I can hang out and get some, some kind of like nice bird. And it's like it doesn't happen. So yeah, or it's like though, a, the, a skinwalker or something. It's like a human that was wearing that earring that turned into a dog man and just got caught in that, you know, uh, outfit. And it's like, oh shit, you know what I mean? It shed its clothes, but it kept the earring on. It's like, damn, I forgot about my my hoop here. But but look at this. This is the fascinating part about it. Our mythology that we consider mythology through the creation of the human mind seems to have generated this type of activity. 
So our research, are, um, the areas that we're looking into is definitely conscious-based. The question is, did we create it or has it created us or are we co-creators within the experience? That is the question. For instance, the big bad wolf, okay? And um, that, that was generated through folklore, allegedly. Um, the same with, uh, you know, there's always been a fascination with the Sasquatch, which was better known as the Yeti back in the day, especially in the early days of Doctor Who. And all of these things, the only, the, the only thing is that's interesting is that there's something very key to these beings because you don't have Daleks coming through the portal. You don't have the Cybermen coming through them. You don't have Darth Vader or the Stormtroopers coming through these portals, which are generated through human thought. So it's interesting when we look at the levels of creation and, and where these beings could be. You, you see what I mean? God, yes. And it makes me think of so many different things. It makes me, uh, one, uh, drawing back to something you said, activated by presence or consciousness. Yes. So what's interesting about this is we've seen these, you know, and there's tons of sci-fi and, and movies out there where they're walk, <laughs> they'll walk up on old ruins, right? And we think of these things as like stone, old ruins. They have things growing all over them. And all of a sudden, a light hologram will appear. You know what I mean? And all, it'll be very highly technological yes. and it'll kind of introduce itself. And there are a lot of different examples of this type of technology. But what if, like you said, that it's activated by us, meaning uh, we're the activators of it once we reach into a certain region yes. or a zone, and then we activate sort of mm. those characters in the simulation to walk around in that area because we're present of it. It's that old argument of if a tree falls in the woods, is it there, right? Maybe Dogman's yes. not there because we're not there to consciously activate it in this dimension. Do you think it's something like that? It could well possibly be that for some reason that we activate it. For instance, in, at Rendlesham um, a Forest back in 1980 with the American military troops um, that were stationed there at Bent Waters, uh, Colonel Charles Holt and his men had gone through varied levels of UFO activity, but some of the men were seeing different things. And I think that perhaps the phenomena seems to connect in on an individual level with the participant and they will... Uh, explain that they are going through a different experience than the next man next to him, you see? And this is interesting because I think the phenomena is very clever or it's able to kind of like change or morph itself into the reality that is presented via the individual going through it. So I think that, you know, it's very interesting looking at upon within those levels, um, you know, and people will dismiss that because they, they want to see the UFO as the UFO coming from another planet with aliens, or they want to see the a werewolf as either a generated or, sorry, manufactured bio uh, creature that's been created by the military, or uh, some people saying, oh, no, they're hanging out in a, in a cave somewhere, or, you know, they're coming out of here. Well, I respect all of that. But one of the main areas that we need to look at is where are they? We know that they are not here physically, but they can come into our realm physically. They can actually leave physical marks. They actually can do damage and then they go out. But there's also a very disturbing element to this, I think, that most people don't want to address. And that is very dark territory indeed in terms of not just, um, and dare I mention it here, cattle mutilation, but also human mutilation. Um, and I, I think that, you know, 
I know that I spoke to another guy on a radio broadcast once, and he said to me, he "said you know he he knows a, f- a family who are connected to the FBI. They work they work for the, they're, they're linked with the FBI, and they said to this guy on the side that if you knew what was really going on in the world, you wouldn't want to leave your front door." That's what he said. And I'm like, well, that kind of like opens up more of a mystery because we're not quite sure what they mean about that. And I don't, and the the person that was told this knows it's not to do with us human beings. It's something far more than that. So, you know, I think a lot of researchers are at loggerheads with one another, battling out their theories and their ideas, which are absolutely awesome and amazing. But at the end of the day, I think it's the way that we perceive it on an individual level. I think it's the way that we observe that reality. And this is why there could be no happy grounds with one to the other, because we're all trying to squeeze it in the same box and it won't go in there. So I think it's an individual process where this phenomena comes in for whatever reason. And some people will tell you what reasons, and I don't have any, I don't know the reasons behind it. Like, you know, can only... Um, you know, conjectures to that point. But it is very fascinating, I think, that there is a part to the phenomena which is truly amazing and incredible. I mean, for instance, I'll just joke here. I would like nothing more than to be in the presence of the dogman, to see this beautiful specimen as it's rising up. Unfortunately, with all the accounts that we're told, you don't want to be hanging around in the area where that is because the area changes and um, the environment changes and the individual starts to begin to feel like I'm not meant to be here. I need to get out of here, you know? Yes. And this is what I, and this is why uh, your question and uh, fascinating what you just said. This is why when you, when you were uh, saying the presence of us sort of activates it, it is almost like this uh, double idea. So I'm just going to, we'll put the simulation aside for a second, but right here next to it is this idea that you're not supposed to be there. Like you just said, like the Mm. feeling, like this Oz factor that comes over to where the environment physically changes and you get this no sound anywhere and then um you you get these freaky images but then things start to manifest within your reality like you said perhaps at the rendlesham area there was something going on there that they didn't need to be a part of and so this thing was there to scare them off or this thing was the thing there that was going on but they each perceived it in a different way like you said Correct. and to that it makes me think that uh, we're all kind of walking around an environment with let's say objects around it sort of like a paintball field or a forest but we're each wearing a different vr headset you know so mm. virtually we perceive the reality in a different way but physically there are objects sort of that you can bump into and we can both say there's an object there but you may see it as something and i may see it as something else you know they talk about this with hues of colors and things like that like we don't see colors the same way like my green isn't your green things like odd interpretations of reality is what i mean which make this more of a um sort of a virtual reality Uh, sort of an integrated process, but with this odd element of biology and physicality to it as well that can't be ignored, right? Your your senses or whatever this is, whatever the game this is or however your program can't ignore the things physically going on in your environment, which is when they talk about these uh, holograms and scaling these deceptions up that they have long since had holograms. Uh, Japan had this decades ago where they could uh, have holograms that would generate sound, heat, light, um, affect all of these things affect the physical environment, but it's there's nothing to it. It's just a hologram. So then the question is: is is that light bending technology or is that dimensional portal opening technology? And then they have something sort of walk around for a second and zip it back up. So there are these interesting things. All of it, Philip, to wrap it back up, 
sort of uh, gives the simulation vibe to me, right? To where, again, it is sort of like this VR place that we're walking around yes. in, but each of us interface with it or get a different um, thing with it. And then when you're talking about Dogman and walking around and then it appears in certain areas, I'm thinking of that Pokemon Go. Do you remember that shit when people were running yes. around all over the place? I do, yeah. You had to go to the thing to find the thing. You know what I mean? Like yes. Dogman's not walking around in your neighborhood, right? <laughs> it, he's out there in the woods where the Pokemon, where somebody else left the geocache yeah. for him, right? And maybe that's what Rendlesham and all those kind of things, because I want to ask you about the... Um, message left in binary code uh just kind of i've got it written down here so we can go over it but what it details out is coordinates and it details these locations and so it says continuous uh, and then it has some weird letters here and then six different coordinate coordinates points which go to all these different locations around the earth but it, it's interesting whenever we're starting to talk about manifestations that they activate when you're there that not everybody sees them that some people see different things it's a wild convoluted amazing universe what are what are your thoughts on all this so far well the thing is that there is a certain sense of irony attached to this because with a lot of the general public the good serving general public who are just wanting to live their life very simply, don't seem to have these connections with what we call the paranormal. There is some kind of uh, rewiring or restructuring within the individual's belief system, which kind of like also opens up this reality. Now, the reason I say this is because many years ago, my brother and I were scratching out these children's books and trying to find publishers before we did. And the, the ironicness of seeing UFOs and reporting them, and then the, the press would say, oh, and they did, I have all the press cuttings. Oh, but they're imaginative. Um, you know, they, they write children's books. They're into science fiction as though that if you have one of these experiences, you are meant to be a blank canvas. But I think that it is us to some level, to some degree, uh, within, uh, I'm not saying that we're any superior than anyone else, but there is some kind of rewiring within the consciousness of the individual that takes them away from the normal survival processing of life. And this phenomenon is interested in it. Now, the, let's just play around with this idea because I love the holographic imagery connection link and there is every reason to believe that it could well be true. I do, do, don't discount anything. I remembered um, the Hunger Games, and um, where they sent in these uh, holographic generated creatures into the into the area that they that the people had to fight. I also remembered Clash of the Titans with the gods of Olympus that would have the people, and they could see them in the arena, and then ch they can change and move the the person from here to there, or change the environment around them. So I think and feel to that degree, it could be possible that there are some kind of and dare I say it, overlords who are bringing these realities into the individual's sense of awareness to, in some way, perhaps to test, to alter um, their reality and see how it can subtly change what's going on on this level. Um, you know, it, I, I've always felt that why are we being picked out? Why does it? Why is the phenomena attached to me and my brother and many other people, but not many others? Why is it focused on us? And even seemingly not by intent, especially going back to the summoning of the UFO back on the 8th of June 1998 at Rentham Forest, which occurred. We didn't realize we were doing a C5 initiative, but the other times when they just appeared, as for instance, the 9th of April 2016, 
at uh, 11, 15 p.m. at night, the three massive UFOs over us and or everything was silent. Um, you know, my question is to them, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What is it that you want to tell us that you're not telling us? I have no idea. So I think that the phenomena alternates on varied levels of reality. Now, Stephen King's It, we did speak about this before. His idea was that this being had crashed in a craft God knows how long ago. It was a big spider thing that buried, and it used the extension of the clown to get into the mind of the children, to bring them their greatest fears, to see how they'd react from it and what that would generate. And of course, a brilliant, wonderful master Stephen King is in storytelling. Um, It, I think will primarily tell us, well, are we dealing with one force that is working in multiple areas of reality, or is it separate things altogether? So there are two components that we have to also take into consideration. Now, in religious ideologies, they will tell you that everything is the work of the devil. And, you know, I'm I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying that that is wrong, but it's just hard for me to accept the hypothesis that a man in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork is running around scaring the hebejeebies out of us. (laughs) I think it's something more complex. So, One of the things is, and this is the other area that is very difficult also to deal with within the annals of ufology and also paranormal research, is you have one side with all the love and light and the other side that is very much to the darkness. And that's the same as representative here on Earth in the normal processing of our evolution, good and bad. So it's interesting, I think, that the phenomena presents itself to us, but does not give us any clear indicational answers as to what it wants. Because if something is coming to you, if I came up to you, Brandon, and I said, and I gave you a push, and I said, hey, Brandon, you'd be like, well, who are you, dude? Because you're American. It's like, who are you, brother? <laughs> Newsflash, pal. Who are you, brother? <laughs> how are you, who are you, brother? I don't know. You want to know what I'm about. I want to know what you're about. Um, You know, if there was some kind of interaction where I came out and I slapped you across your face, not that I would, or I punched you in the stomach. Oh, I nearly did it then. Look at that screenshot. (laughs) I'm into that shit, though. And and it's like, well, you're going to be asking, well, why did you do that? What on earth are you doing that for? Now, we're looking at this within a kind of like extraterrestrial, cryptozoological, or paranormal phenomena. So, there is obviously a reason why the phenomena presents itself to the individual. And I did say to you before, didn't I, that we had um, me, my twin brother, and good friend Susan had been at Rendlesham Forest, where we did a lot of research within Sky Crash and the original investigator, Brenda Butler, wonderful lady, um, who allowed me access to a great deal of her research. Susan, Ronnie, and I were down at um, Eastgate, where the uh, military entrance is within Rendlesham Forest. And you've got a picture that Rendlesham Forest is a huge area. We did our research there. We didn't do an armchair research. We went out there for over 10 years doing the research within the forest. We had a lot of strange things happen. And on one this one occasion, we'd gone to the uh, now closed or allegedly closed Air Force Base. And one one side of it is uh, where, where, because when you come out of the Air Force Base, there's a great big, long, huge, it's like a big stone pathway that goes on for ages. And then you come out to the forest and that is just out there. But to the right of us was the a wooded area and the other side was the fencing towards the military base. So on this particular day, I don't have the date or time at hand, I'm afraid, because so much happened. I can't remember everything just offhand. 
but on this occasion, I remembered it was the evening or going going into the late uh, kind of like evening. It was summer, and it was all quiet. And there was this smell that generated, and I've remembered this smell before. It was rather like a, and you said an anaesthetic. Um, it's like a very, but it was pungent. It was offish, and it started to spread. And then when we were walking. Or back towards the forest along the long pathway. There's no one else around. It suddenly went very quiet, <clears throat> too quiet actually. And there was this feeling of I don't know what it was. It was just like really weird. And then there was this loud thud. Now, when I say loud thud, what do I mean by loud thud? People say, oh, you just heard a sound. No, you had to be there to appreciate and uh, understand how we felt. There was this loud thud, so loud it actually made the ground move a little bit. And it came from our direct right. It was as if something heavy, big and organic had just slammed down on the floor. Now, in a lot of reports of cryptozoology, you will get this where these sounds are heard. And at that point, I remembered, I was like, oh my God, we need to get out of here. I didn't know too much about dogman or, were or werewolf or Sasquatch during that period. We're going back years here. But I knew we had to get out of there. We had to go. And of course, Susan laughed nervously, which is her way of dealing with fear. And we started to move very quickly. So going back to that point, um, I didn't see anything, but certainly felt it. And a lot of strange activity did occur within uh, the, the area of Rendlesham, um, and as you quite rightfully know yourself, Brendan, in a lot of areas, that these areas seem to be a nest or hive activity of these uh, high strangeness. So we're not sure if there is some kind of destabilizing of energy, because I knew there were weather experiments were performed way back within the region of the forest, um, or it's linked to the ancient Tumuline, uh, burial sites which are located within the forest. Um, we're not sure, but I can tell you that when you're there, like any um, other area within the, and around the world, um, like Skinwalker or wherever, um, it's pretty weird and strange. Just got that vibe, huh? Oh, my God. It is. And it's not because all oh, we're going into the forest at night and it's all going quiet. And No, it's not like that. It is weird. It is very strange indeed. It's interesting, too, because I saw a video from a woman. I posted it on my Instagram. This is going to be so vague, it's not going to be useful. But she talked about the psyops going on within the government. Now, we're talking about Rendlesham, which is in between two REF bases, oh, yes. right? So One British, one American, yeah. Yeah, the land be between it, though, is this forest. And I've talked to uh, Robbie about this, because Robbie Graham went out there as well. And uh, oh, yes. a lot of y'all have, because it's right in your backyard. I get it. It's y'all's Roswell, so I would go, too. <laughs> I can't wait to go out there with you, by the way. And that forest, allegedly, though, um, is a growth forest for uh, production of raw materials out there. So they keep growing and cutting the forest down, right? That's right. And so I'd be interested to see if any of the workers out there encountered something or if equipment was malfunctioning or anything like that. If anybody's investigated the work that's been done in the years in between that forest, just from the service workers, from the government people that work there, I don't know that they would talk about it. Another thing would be uh, is that in this presentation that this woman, back to the video, was talking about is that planes that fly overhead <clears throat> also have there's ground installations underneath that have, you know, we think that CERN's sort of this particle accelerator and maybe, but perhaps what it is is also it, it's the underside of a, a satellite dish essentially to where it's a receiver for waves in between. So if you think of aircraft 
let's say flying over, dusting something out of the back of uh, their plane, and some people call them chemtrails, whatever. Let's say that something like that's going on, and then you have a radiation beaming and bouncing down constantly with ground installations on underneath that, because allegedly there's tunnels underneath there as well, right? All throughout yes, that forest area. I've seen those, yeah. So we're talking in between two military bases, a forested area that's constantly regenerated. So, I mean, there's activity there churning up the ground, so therefore any new activity could be explained away. It's got underground tunnels all over it, and it's the site of such mysterious phenomena that so many folks are having these um, encounters out there. When when we look at something like what sound, frequency, vibration, radiation, and things like that are able to do to your ability to perceive your reality, this is not like science fiction. This isn't conspiracy theory. The governments have been doing this. This is old technology of their ability to apprehend your consciousness and make you think, feel, see anything. So that could be part of this, but it also could be a damn simulation, but also there could be hairy creatures running around out there and UFOs and little <laughs> green men and shit running around. I think it's all fun, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, certainly um, we felt on uh, varied occasions, the ground rumbling as though there was an earthquake and hmm. something from beneath. And there are underground tunnels. We were privileged to see that on one occasion because they got these huge mess, uh, massive concrete slabs covering what one of them was broken. We looked down, it's like a ladder going down to a subterranean level. Do you think I would go down there? No way. Ooh, no I way. If go. you got stuck down there, then then there's no hope for you. Um, because the, uh, the, the satellite reception for phones, well, be, well, even back in the day when we didn't really have them, but it wasn't very good. So I do agree with you. It could be possible that there is some kind of military operation which is utilizing the area to stimulate perhaps some kind of opening or some kind of portal. Who knows? Now, what I do know um, is the fact that the helicopters, the military helicopters, would hassle us at late at night because we would go and do our research at late at night. And it's open grounds. Anyone can go in there, bar from the military base, which is sealed off. You can still see it and all the rest of it. But we were hassled continuously as if the helicopters wanted us out of the area. And one particular time that Susan and I had gone there, it was pitch black late at night. I was wearing a cream top, would you believe it? It was summer night. And this helicopter was hassling us, coming very low to the treetops levels and trying to flush us out. So we went back to the car and we drove down the car down a long way and we walked back up. And then we, we saw this convoy of military vehicles coming up to this disused base, which is Bentwaters, with blacked out windows they had and all these vehicles. And I hid behind this tree that was like on the floor and Susan hid down by it. And these vehicles were coming up and then going into the base. On another occasion, I remembered that there was a helicopter that started to descend in an opening of the forest. And we had seen some strange light activity to our direct left. We were in this opening of this field. The forest was around it. The helicopter, massive military helicopter was coming down. You could see the pilots. And I thought, my God, they're going to land and arrest us. You know, Susan's thinking the same. And we were trying to wave to show them, I can still remember it, still, still see it as clear as day, waving to the pilots to say, look, you're looking at us. You should be looking over there. They weren't interested. It was very bizarre. Um, 
And, you know, as God is my witness, that happened. Even the summoning of the UFO on the 8th of June, 1998, at 10.15 p.m. at night, that was done in the area of Capel Green, which is a um, was half-used farmland from a farmer and where originally the UFO had come um, into contact with the military troops back in 1980. So uh, that, and on top of um, where we used to put our base by Capel Green so that we would have a view out to these night sky. And on one occasion, Susan, Ronnie and I had left a blanket down where we used to just sit and, you know, sit there and sky watch or just wait for anything weird happen. We'd gone off for about 10, I think 10 or 15 minutes, not even 20 minutes um, for a smoke. I mean, used to smoke then, never indoors, but outside and come back and found a dead rat and a dead rabbit on the blanket where the nose from one was touching the tail to the other in a circle. We were disturbed by this. We did not touch them because that, I think Susan did. They were fresh, but we didn't you know, check to see if there were any holes in them or anything like that. What was disturbing was the fact that someone knew that we were there had been watching us and had to, because there's no way that a rat and a rabbit would have a scrap and then place themselves and lay down perfectly on a blanket. It was deliberate intent. And that scared me and Ronnie and Susan very much because we knew at that point that we were being watched by someone. They knew we were there. And we had tire tracks as well for military uh, um, vehicles who have been where we used to park the car. You could see the dirt tracks on the occasions where it had been soft, where they'd been sitting and, and checking the car out, checking us out. So um, on top of that, and of summoning a UFO and seeing all of the strange light phenomena within the forest, different colored light phenomena coming in and out of the grounds, which are, are reported, um, it was very, very bizarre. So even to this day, and after all these years, thinking back about it, I'm damn proud that I went out there to do that research. And, you know, if I think about it now, my goodness, the situation I, that we had put ourselves in on varied occasions, and I'm not dramatizing anything, but was very scary, um, you know, and thinking about that area, um, just bizarre. Um, but yeah, it's just something that I'm, and that's where I met Brenda Butler. Synchronicity also seemed to occur because Brenda Butler was the original investigator into the 1980 event with Colonel Charles Holt and his men um, on the uh, the uh, 1980 Christmas period of the UFOs and uh, all the stuff that happened over that three night period. And I remembered when Susan, Ronnie and I had gone to the forest in the car and I got out of the car and I didn't know where Brenda Butler was. And I did see on a, online somewhere, someone said, she lives in Suffolk or wherever. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that at the time. I'm glad that you know that. Congratulations. Well done. <laughs> but when I was doing my research back in the 90s, I didn't know where she was. And I got out of the car and I said, I'd really like to meet Brenda Butler. We were in the forest that night and we saw this like activity happening within the copes of the forest and all these strange flashes. And I thought, my God, that's UFO. And then we were disappointed to find out it wasn't. It was a lady with this man and a great big, huge white German shepherd. And when I walked past her, she was very defensive. And I said, good, good, because she doesn't know who she's dealing with. I said, good, good evening or something, even though it was night. And she said, oh, good evening. 
And I walked on and then something told me to go back. And they were doing something with music and light. They were taking pictures in the copes of woods. And I said, are you looking for the orbs? And the lady got up and said, yes, why? And I said, well, I was rather hoping to meet Brenda Butler. And she said, my dear, I am Brenda Butler. And at that point, she and I know it was Pete, her mate Pete, they showed us both on and the old video cameras of a, a, a film of a grey that they had taken that you, you wouldn't ever find on television, um, but a picture of a grey in the forest floating. And they showed that over and over again because we wanted to see it again and again. They entrusted us, and that's how I met her. That's how we then built up this trust with one another. And she then let me have access to a lot of her material because the only book that she wrote, the co-authored, was Sky Crash, A Cosmic Conspiracy with Jenny Randalls, British ufologist, and Dot Street. It was published by Neville Spearman Limited back in 1984 and blew the lid off the event. But, of course, the publishers, for some reason, didn't distribute the book as as widely as the authors thought until it went into paperback. So Brenda hadn't had anything published since then, but she allowed me um, to look at a redundant manuscript that she had, which further stipulated that a lot more had occurred in the forest. And she had a greater part to play in this than people think or realize. She really did. Years before she knew the American troops, she become best friends with them. Her partner then was a musician, used to play at the bass. And all the events of Rendlesham happened when they were there. So um, there was a lot of activity before the major event of 1980 and well after, but people don't see that. And like Roswell or many other areas or famous cases, you'll get people who will say, this is my territory and not yours. You keep off it. It all belongs to me. It doesn't work that way. We're all in, you know... Yeah, we need space to kind of have new ideas introduced so that we can, you know, really look at it from a new perspective. Because if it is your just your government laying, you know, a bunch of pipe underneath you and then flying over <laughs> your head and booming your, you know, I'd want to know about that, right? Uh, it, yeah. it seems like a direct manipulation of us, if if that's part of the argument or part of the conversation, yeah. rather, because it doesn't need to be an argument, right? And I will say to you also that's very interesting from what you're saying there is that think about this and something I did not think about at the time. The military or whatever faction knew that we were there. They yes. knew that me and Ronnie and Susan, this is like Scooby-Doo, man. They <laughs> knew that me, Ronnie and Susan, and you take off the thing, you said, oh, it's so-and-so. It's but they kind. knew, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all our kinds. It's you're just fucking with everybody's mind. But as much as I rejected to begin with the hypothesis of military intervention, you've got to seriously consider this seriously because they knew who we were. They knew that we were making exploits to that forest. They knew what we were doing. And for some reason, they didn't want us there. They were, you know, the... It, could it have been military that put the dead rat in a dead rabbit in a circle on our blanket? It was definitely the military using the helicopters at low level to try and flush us out of the forest. It was the military that descended one of their magnificent-looking massive helicopters um, uh, with the pilots looking at us when we were trying to gain their attention to the left with light activity that was happening there. So are we unwitting victims to some kind of military experimentation? There is every possibility to assume that. We cannot discount anything. People will say to you, no, this is what happened to you. And you say to them, no, hang on just a minute. I know what happened to me. 
But going back, we don't know the reasons why it happened or who was responsible for that. So when people talk about um, something that I would was very much dead against many years ago, psy- psyops operations, we have to understand that mental manipulation, mental control and subjugation is what's happening at this moment in time. We can see it on a very limited level and very advanced level. I say limited with the event of people really understanding what's going on, but advanced in terms of how they're able to do it. If you are dealing with that in a military establishment with this type of work, then God knows what they've got and what they can project and what they can do. It's a fascinating thing to think about. And then also, though, it's another level of perhaps a PSYOP. Let's say, Philip, that that maybe, yeah, this is all just some simulation that Archons are running and they've hijacked your consciousness. And I also want to ask you about that Archon soul trap at the end of our days. And uh, we're going to get to that. But, you know, what if it is something like that? And, and let me ask you this question before we go down that vein. Have you ever been in a store or around town or something like that where you live, anywhere like that? Uh, and then you were completely alone all by yourself. And then all of a sudden a lot of people started showing up and all of a sudden you weren't alone anymore and there were just a bunch of people around. Have you ever experienced this? Yes, I have experienced occasions, not so much in a shop, but certain other areas where one minute I'm I'm okay, I'm on my own. I'm just, and then all of a sudden all these people turn up and it's like, and I get out, like, where are you? What is, what is going on here? Why is the, why is so loud? All this noise, so much noise. And that's what I'm, that's what I, that's where the question, line of questioning is going is, is that do you think that this area, this environment, the simulation, whatever, just sort of gives you action in your field as you encounter it. Just like you said, your proximity sets off the dogman alarm where he's just sitting there in code land <laughs> yes. or uh, Archon's like, oh shit, I got to I gotta put on my dogman suit, right? Or make them think I'm a dogman. So <laughs> they come out because you've activated it in that area. It's sort of like a video game whenever you're walking around and you find someone or whatever, and then now you have a side quest. Well, they're placed there for you to come across to then interact with, to then move on to make the game more interesting. Um, yes. And so with this then, the question is, is do you think that it's possible that by you going into Rendlesham, by you activating your excitement for the nervous energy that's just in the place anyway, Correct. that you activated a military presence driving by and the simulation rendered one for you? Also, it rendered helicopters and, and a fear-based experience to accommodate what you kind of wanted, you know what I mean, in a way. Yes. With that kind of technology, it, they would have advanced themselves beyond any level with any means that we can even begin to dream about because it was real. And of course, it would have to be real in order to convince you of that fact. I wonder sometimes the intent behind it. Now, what's interesting is that when we had summoned this UFO on the 8th of June, 1998 at Rendlesham Forest in Capel Green, in the field there, uh, well, it was exactly in the field. The light came forward before and disappeared. And then the manifestation of the pyramidical shaped UFO with the circle undercarriage above the trees, beautiful and amazing within its symmetry, no sound. Now, the week before we'd done an experiment, a psychic experiment to ask that we want proof of them. We want to see them. So the phenomena seemed to be aware of our thoughts when we had gone on the 8th of June into the forest to carry out this experiment, and it worked. So whether or not this kind of like ability for this means to even direct itself and home into your thoughts is very interesting because I think that the technology, if this is technology, is something that most people 
within the ordinary general public. I'm not saying that we are extraordinary, but God love them, the ordinary public who are not willing to understand that. It would scare the crap out of them because they just would not be able to get their head around it. And even with us as researchers, it takes a certain amount of time for things to ferment and be accepted within our psyche because rationally, when we get to hear about something for the first time, it's like, I can't accept that because the system's told me that's not real. And then when you start going into to it and you start researching it and you start connecting with original real people honest good folk then you're thinking well there's something in here and we need to look at this the problem is there's we can't direct any of this to one linkage to to one individual to one organization we can't and this is exactly how the system that we serve works. It does it admirably. There is no transparency to anything. It wishes to muddy the waters. And I remembered um, an article that I read um, with one of the greatest UFO debunkers of all time, Philip Klaas. Um, And he said on his deathbed, allegedly, that you will never work this out. You will never be able to to work this one out. And that Mm. haunts me when I think about this. I mean, in all goodness to the man himself, he was, people say he was a plant. Well, whatever he was doing, he was obviously doing what he felt was right. But the haunting tones of his, of his words, when he said, you will never be able to work this out. Well, you better give us a run for our money because we're trying damn to work that out. <laughs> it is haunting. God, it's a great yeah. line that you point out because it's almost more telling than anything. It's, it's terrifying, you know, it's because it's, mm. like, it's like the Ben Rich stuff. Whenever he was talking about, we already have the ability to take E.T. home, you know, a oh, long yes. time ago with Skunk Works. And it's comments like that, like the um, anything they, you know, you've seen on uh, Star Trek, we can do and beyond, right? Those yeah. kind of quotes from folks that we are told no things, you know, and that we're in, in some serious projects. It's fascinating whenever you start analyzing yeah. really the messaging that they left us yeah. with. It's a fascinating and reality. And reality is starting to break apart because there is, in in terms of our understanding of our reality that we believe that we are living, because I'm not going to go, we'll be here all night talking about life after death, consciousness, the soul, and beyond that. Um, you know, reality seems to be projecting itself as though the holo- if it is a hologram, is starting to break apart. And I think, myself personally, ladies and gentlemen, I think here that what's happening is that the system that has controlled our consciousness, has contained it, has fueled it into a very limited view of reality, and now it's all breaking apart. Religion has no longer got the fear and control over the people. We are now living in a disruptive society, and all of consciousness is starting to be affected where it was streamlined and perfectly narrated within what the uh, system would want us to believe is real. It's all breaking apart. It's all collapsing. And I think this is why now we We have this seeping through of these realities. Remember, the mind is a powerful thing. It creates, and I think that the system knows this. It knows that we can be co-creators to any experience, literally any experience. And now what's happening is that they don't have that control over us systematically on a conscious level, and it's starting to break apart. If people knew just how brilliant they were, how powerful they were within their own mindset, um, as long as it's pure and all good and, uh, you know, used for the good intentions of others, how amazing they would find that. But the system is losing its grip. And I think now it's coming in with even more 
evil to try and subjugate and pull down this mass conscious awakening. And one last thing here I will say to you, ah, oh, that's lovely. This is okay. Apologies. Oh, we get a new puppy. No, that is, hello. <laughs> Are you going to do a talk as well? Ow, oh, that's lovely. So I'll just say to you that I think that what's happened now is that um, the system uh, is got kind of like got us all in a bubble and you, me, my brother, many other, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people are awakening and they're coming out of that bubble, but the system will try and pull you back down into it. And you're like, no, I'm breaking away. And would, and this is why I think the ascension that they're talking about is, is not in the way that, you know, we're all going to fly up, float up and then, but I think things, reality will change. I think the hologram will change because the way that sometimes I view reality, there's been, and if I may say this, and I, I don't say things that don't happen. I say things that do happen to me. There's been some type of shift sometimes where they, the reality seems to have like in a split second changed. It's like it, it, it's, it was, it's like looking at some kind of projection. It's really very odd. So I am and have been looking into the holographic hypothesis and certainly with regards to technological advancements in terms of psyops, as they call it. Um, but so I'm looking at all sides, all areas. One, the natural phenomena, the mind, holographic projection. We have to be open to all forms of speculation. We must be open. We cannot reject anything because we just don't know. <sighs> I just love talking to you about this stuff, you know, about anything, honestly. Um, but it's just your insights on it are, are fascinating. And, and you bring up so many wonderful points to consider. And that's what's so important about this, about not niching down into one uh, sort of philosophy about it, but take a broader approach, which, you know, can be convoluted and can be a trap of sorts, which is what mm, absolutely. I would like to ask you about next, which would be uh, the idea of a soul trap or like an archon soul oh, trap yes. kind of a thing. So. You've heard of this idea, I assume? Yes, I have. Yes. Okay. I've heard of the idea, yeah. What are your thoughts on it? It is interesting. I've, I remember being asked many long years ago by someone when I had been ignorant to the fact of this false light um, that people talk about um, when you pass over that you're, you're projected into another area and then you're recycled back into the human biological system through the archons, as they call it. Um, and I didn't really understand much about that until I started looking into it and researching it. And I know that David Icke here in England, um, and I'm going to see him talk tomorrow, um, um, he is of the uh, uh, understanding that when we die, we're not to walk into the light. Now, this, again, poses several problems um, because one, when you pass over, are you going to make a big boob and then go to the wrong area? Uh, but I, I'm not so sure. I think that the transcending soul, once it gets to a peak or point with its evolution, will go beyond that level of recycling, as it's called. If we go back into ancient mythology, which is really truth, Thoth, the guardian of secrets and the god of the moon, uh, the scribes, he was able to incarnate 
by using an avatar that was created from light into physical matter. And science is beginning to understand that light can indeed manifest into physicality. Yeah, like the holograms we were talking about. That's correct. You've yeah. got it. There it is. And so he was elevated like many other masters within our evolution, um, Jesus and many other adepts within their time, their period. So I think that when you reach a level of awakening or understanding, then I think that perhaps you go beyond that level of entrapment. I have wondered, however, that is just a theory. It doesn't mean to say I'm right. I have wondered, however, why it is that we continuously uh, come into this earth plane. My understanding is that perhaps to generate memories, to create films, experiences that we really live through the expanding process of creation, uh, perhaps that is one way of the creator that we're all part of that's dealing with this reality. But it's a little bit harsh and something's gone wrong somewhere along the lines because when I get onto the other side, I'm going to get a refund. And if any <laughs> angel's going to wave star, a, right? and wave, <laughs> If any angel waves a wand at me, I'm going to stick that wand where the sun don't shine and tell it, <laughs> tell it to get its sorry ass down there. And you try it out for change. Yeah. yeah. But, it, go ahead, please. Yeah, but it, it's like, so I understand about the incarnation process, or we'll throw a spanner into the reincarnation chamber. How it's done is very fascinating. The consciousness being drifted through time and space, which is how it's done from one system to another reality. But it's interesting to see what avatar we have on the other side. People say, oh, I've got it all worked out. I know about it. No, you don't. We can only theorize, we can only conject to that point. But I'm not so sure. And now it's left us all wondering, well, when I cross over, Brandon, do I say, hang on just a moment. <laughs> Am I talking to the real thing? Or, oh, you're talking to the real thing. Of course, you know you want to go back down there. Have a glass of something strong and think about it. We'll loosen consciousness. We'll send you back down. But very quickly here, these people in charge the uh, nameless, faceless bureaucrats. They're called the Illuminati. And when you go into the darker elements of, um, well, shall we just put it this way, in terms of dark magic or um, uh, enlightening into these areas of um, that we're not really meant to talk about, which are quite dark, they can summon um, these demons and all sorts of things that's creation through their mind. How is it that they still maintain this link of control through one family to the next? I mean, are they still incarnating into the same family through different bodies? How are they able to never change their mind and wake up one day through one body and say, hang on, I've had enough of this. I want to change everything for the good of mankind. They don't. So I think that in terms of, you know, the soul and our ability in incarnating or reincarnating or whether or not it's forced or whether or not it's a choice, we don't know. But it is interesting that, you know, all of us are now beginning to question this because it means that we're tired, that we've come to a point within our evolution where we want only the good and the love and the creation and to expand upon that and not go through this recycling, this continuous recycling. And of course, dare I say, there are people out there who will tell you how it is, what it's all about. But I am like you. We don't know, but we have the ideas. We have the understanding. And let's try and put the dots together on several theoretical levels because we're not quite sure. 
It's added, uh, I love it brilliantly said, it's added an element of you can't even die in peace kind of a thing. You know, even Damn. after death, there's sort of a psyop occurring. So it's it's even that, right? You you end, you end however you end. Maybe it's traumatic, maybe it's peaceful. Maybe you just don't even know you died like that idea that 2012, we all died in something, right? And then we just yes. are too dumb to know it. And so we just that's all continue right. to create life, right? It's weird. But then, then you think about like, if that's the case, well... This idea of it being a trap sucks, but then also this idea of introducing that it could be a trap sucks, right? You you think that once the game's over, the game's over, but really now I'm I'm thinking that shit, I gotta be on my toes for some fucking Archon so I can throat chop ninja, you know, or ninja throat chop grandma because it's not her, it's an Archon, right? And tell them fuck off with your life review, I don't care about your karma, I'm out. Like, so is that the way or am I gonna be like, it's a man baby to my real grandma, you know, and fighting off going into the light. And they're like, no, we're trying to save you from this psyop called the Archon Soul Trap, right? So now even in death, I don't feel like I'm going to be peaceful about it because well, it's, think, it's yeah. tormenting in this life. It's fucked I up, I think you've got nothing to worry about. In terms of like those on the other side, it's not the devil tricking us into absolutely everything. Those who have crossed over to the other side come forward to a sensitive to acknowledge and give proof of their afterlife. And whether or not, yeah. Uh, uh, who's it? Uh, Whitley Strieber's wife, oh, yeah. Anne, when she passed, yes. he, they talk about this, that he, she comes back to him and talks about how she didn't go to the light and how she recommends don't do that. Mm, Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. I've heard about Whitley Strieber, most definitely very famous and respected author and his wife, Anne, we were connected with the, um, their, um, link many years ago. I can't remember what it was called. Now I have a letter, uh, some notes from him upstairs, but, um, I, I didn't know that, but yes, we hear this and this is causing a lot of confusion yeah. and I'm going to go over there as well too, Brandon, very confused. And I'm going to have to say, can you just give me, how long am I allowed over here to think about <laughs> yeah. this before you, you know, whatever, you know, so I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not going to know, are we? We can only have the recommendation of those that are telling us, um, but there must be something in it because they wouldn't just come out with it. And we've got to remember also the greys can bring dead people into the presence and around them as well. That's another area we need to look into. Yeah. Which that's happens what I'm quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You can't trust any of this shit. No. So I think at the end of the day, what you need to do is even if you don't drink, is to get a pint glass, fill it with the down the lot, and then just say, I just let it go. <laughs> just yeah, let it all advice. go. Maybe, maybe that is. Float around <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah, just, uh, you know, maybe some strong DMT, a, a huge DMT rip, and I'll just float off and whatever, whatever, you know? Yes, Brendan. Mother Teresa would have gone over there in a rocket. She would, they would have had a net to catch her because she was more than holier than now. Yeah, right. But it, that is amazing. It's just a fascinating concept, especially uh, like you when when we talk about this sort of activating areas and a military presence popping up in an yes. area in between two military bases, also being introduced oh, to this yes. idea that perhaps a military psyops uh, frequencies kind of shit can be occurring, which is all disclosed things that that occur and their patents were that the U.S. owns and all that good shit. So it's just interesting when we wrap all of this up, and then we we yeah. you know have now talked about afterlife. Like what is what the shit does that look like? It's, it's a wild ride either way, and I'm grateful, uh, if nothing else, for folks in this realm like you, because uh, this is a blast talking to you about it, and I don't feel Thank as you. batshit crazy, I'll be honest with you, because my You're VR not. headset, I, I'm smacking it, trying to get it to write itself, yeah. but it keeps getting weirder. I don't know about yours. 
Well, mine's malfunctioned. It <laughs> yeah. malfunctioned when I was around about nine years of age, and Clunky. that was it. Um, but I think it's good to to talk, to discuss, to have a sense of humour with it. God help us, because some people don't think you should be humorous. But you, in this, in light of this uh, subject matter and all of them, you do need a wicked sense of humour because it keeps you grounded as well. And um, but I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. Well, yeah, and and dude, you're you're just doing amazing things, and I can't wait to have you back and add to this list of amazing uh, show episodes that you've joined me for here. So we're going to wrap it on this one. All the ways to find you, of course, uh, the KinsellaTwins.com, PhilipKinsella.com, as well as your book, Sky Crash Throughout Time. So cool that you did this. So much information in that thing, and I can't wait to get my copy of it. I've, I've perused over the digital copy Philip Mantle sends out to all of us that are going to bring you guys on, and thank you, Philip Mantle, for that. But uh, I like the real, you know, tangible, hold them in your hands type of thing. Mm. So thank you for that in advance. Yes. And, brother, this has just been an awesome conversation. We have millions more to do, and I'm looking forward to all of them. Thank you so much, Brendan. You're an awesome guy, the guru of gurus. And um, we shall look forward to more intellectual treats to see how we grapple with these affairs, Brendan. You know, this is this is what we're all this is what it's all about. And I think it's just wonderful. So thank you very much for having me on your show. It's amazing. Thank you. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.